Day 8 of Totus Tuus' Novena to Our Lady of Lourdes With quotes from Blessed John Paul II's Apostolic Letter Salvifici Dolores On the Salvific Meaning of Suffering To the Gospel of Suffering there also belongs and in an organic way the parable of the Good Samaritan Through this parable Christ wanted to give an answer to the question, Who is my neighbor? In fact, of the three travelers along the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, on the side of which lay a man half-dead, stripped and beaten by robbers, it was precisely the Samaritan who showed himself really to be the neighbor of this unfortunate. Neighbor means also the one who has fulfilled the commandment of love of neighbor. Two other men passed along the same road. One was a priest and the other a Levite, but each of them saw him and passed by on the other side. The Samaritan, on the contrary, saw him and had compassion on him. He went up to him and bound up his wounds, then brought him to an inn and took care of him. And when he left, he solicitously entrusted the suffering man to the care of the innkeeper, promising to meet the expenses necessary. The parable of the Good Samaritan belongs to the gospel of suffering. Indeed, it indicates what the relationship of each of us must be towards our suffering neighbor. We are not allowed to pass by on the other side indifferently, but we must stop beside him. The Good Samaritan is every man who stops beside the suffering of another man, whatever it may be. This stopping does not mean curiosity, but availability. This is like the opening of a certain interior disposition of the heart which also has its own emotional expression. The Good Samaritan is every man who is sensible to the suffering of another, man who is moved by the misfortune of his neighbor. If Christ, connoisseur of the interior of man, underlines this compassion, this means that it is important for our whole attitude in front of another's suffering. Thus, one must cultivate in oneself this sensibility of heart, which testifies to compassion towards the one suffering. Sometimes this compassion remains the unique or principal expression of our love and of solidarity with suffering man. However, the Good Samaritan of Christ's parable does not stop at sympathy and compassion alone. They become for him a stimulus to actions which aim to bring help to the injured man. Thus the Good Samaritan is the one who brings help in suffering, whatever it may be. Help which is, as much as possible, effective. He puts his whole heart into it, nor does he spare material means. It can be said that he gives himself, his own I, 
opening this eye to the other. Here we touch upon one of the key points of all Christian anthropology. Man cannot fully find himself, except by way of a sincere gift of himself. The Good Samaritan is the man capable of exactly such a gift of self. Following the parable of the Gospel, it could be said that suffering, present under so many different forms in our human world, is also present to release love in man. That very gift, disinterested of one's own I, in favour of other men, of men suffering. The world of human suffering calls tirelessly, so to speak, for another world, that of human love. And that disinterested love which stirs in his heart and in his works, man owes, in a certain sense, to suffering. Man, who is a neighbour, cannot with indifference pass by the suffering of another. In the name of fundamental human solidarity, still more in the name of love of neighbour, he must stop, sympathise, just like the Samaritan of the Gospel parable. The parable in itself expresses a deeply Christian truth, but at the same time is very universally human. Not without reason, every activity on behalf of men suffering and in need of help has, in common speech, come to be called the work of the Good Samaritan. Over the centuries, this activity assumes organised institutional forms and constitutes a field of work in the respective professions. How much there is of the Good Samaritan in the profession of the doctor or the nurse or others similar, by reason of the evangelical content enclosed in it, we are inclined to think here rather of a vocation than of simply a profession. The institutions which, over generations, have accomplished a service of the Good Samaritan, in our times are even more developed and specialised. This undoubtedly proves that man today stops with ever greater and closer attention before the sufferings of their neighbour, seeks to understand them and deal with them with ever greater skill. They also possess an ever greater capacity and specialisation in the sector. Looking at all of this, we can say that the parable of the Samaritan of the Gospel has become one of the essential components of moral culture and universally human civilization. And thinking of all those who by their science and ability provide many services to their suffering neighbour, we cannot but offer them words of thanks and gratitude. These words are extended to all those who exercise their own service towards their suffering neighbour in a disinterested way, voluntarily engaging in the help of the Good Samaritan and devoting to this cause all the time and energy at their disposal outside of their professional work. Such spontaneous activity of the Good Samaritan or charitable activity can be called social activity then it can also be defined as an apostolate, 
whenever it is undertaken for clearly evangelical motives, especially if this is in connection with the church or another Christian communion. Voluntary activity of the Good Samaritan is realized by way of appropriate milieu or through organizations created for this purpose. Work in this form has a great importance, especially if it involves undertaking larger tasks which require cooperation and the use of technical means. No less valuable is individual activity, especially on the part of people who are better prepared for it in regard to the various kinds of human suffering towards which help can only be brought individually or personally. Finally, family help means both acts of love of neighbour done to members of the same family and to mutual help between families. It is difficult to list here all the types and different areas of activity of the Samaritan which exist in the church and in society. We must recognise that they are very numerous and also express joy because, thanks to them, the fundamental moral values such as the value of human solidarity, the value of Christian love of neighbour, form the framework of social life and interhuman relationships. Combating on this front the different forms of hatred, of violence, of cruelty, of contempt for man, or simple insensibility, in other words, of indifference towards one's neighbour and his sufferings. Enormous here is the significance of attitudes in education. The family, the school, other educative institutions must, if only for humanitarian motives, work perseveringly for the reawakening and refining of that sensibility towards one's neighbour and his suffering, of which the figure of the Good Samaritan in the Gospel has become a symbol. Obviously, the Church must do the same, penetrating still more profoundly, as far as possible, into the motivations which Christ enclosed in his parable and in the whole Gospel. The eloquence of the parable of the Good Samaritan as of the whole gospel, is in particular this. Man must feel himself as if called in the first person to testify to love in suffering. Institutions are very important and indispensable. Nevertheless, no institution can by itself replace the human heart, human compassion, human love, human initiative, when it comes to dealing with the suffering of another. This refers to physical sufferings, but it is even more true when it comes to the multiple moral sufferings, and when, above all, it is the soul which suffers. The parable of the Good Samaritan, which, as has been said, belongs to the gospel of suffering, walking together with it along the history of the Church and Christianity, along the history of man and humanity. It testifies that the revelation on the part of Christ about the salvific meaning of suffering is not identified in any way with an attitude of passivity. Totally the contrary. The Gospel is the negation of passivity in front of suffering. Christ himself is especially active in this field. In this way, 
he realizes the messianic program of his mission, according to the words of the prophet. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me and mandated me to announce to the poor the good news, to proclaim to the prisoners freedom and to the blind sight, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim a year of grace of the Lord. In a superabundant way, Christ accomplishes the messianic program of his mission. He goes about doing good, and the good of his works became especially evident in the face of human suffering. The parable of the Good Samaritan is in profound harmony with the conduct of Christ himself. Finally, this parable, through its essential content, will enter into those disturbing words of the final judgment, noted by Matthew in his Gospel. Come, blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. Naked, and you clothed me. Sick, and you came to visit me. In prison, and you came to see me. To the just, who ask when they had done these things to him, the Son of Man will respond. In truth, I say to you, as you did it to one of the littlest of these my brothers, you did it to me. The opposite sentence will touch those who have behaved differently, as you did it not to one of the littlest of these my brothers, you did it not to me. One could certainly extend the list of sufferings that have encountered human sensibility, compassion and help, or which have not encountered them. The first and second parts of Christ's statement on the final judgment indicate without ambiguity how essential they are in the perspective of the eternal life of each man. To stop, as the Good Samaritan did, at the suffering of one's neighbour, to have compassion for it, and finally to give help. In Christ's messianic programme, which is at the same time the programme of the Kingdom of God, suffering is present in the world so as to release love, so as to give birth to works of love towards one's neighbour, so as to transform all human civilization into a civilization of love. In this love, the salvific meaning of suffering is realized to the very end and reaches its definitive dimension. The words of Christ on the final judgment allow us to understand this in all the simplicity and clarity of the Gospel. These words about love, about acts of love, connected to human suffering, allow us once more to discover, at the base of all human sufferings, the same redemptive suffering of Christ. Christ said, You did it to me.
He himself is the one who, in each one, experiences love. He himself is the one who receives help, when this is given to every suffering person without exception. He himself is present in this suffering person, since his salvific suffering has been opened once and for all to every human suffering. And all those who suffer have been called once and for all to become participators in the sufferings of Christ. As all have been called to complete with their own suffering what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. At one and the same time, Christ has taught man to do good by his suffering and to do good to those who suffer. In this double aspect, he has revealed to the very end the meaning of suffering. Let us pray. Hail Mary, poor and humble woman, blessed by the Most High, Virgin of Hope, prophecy of the new times, we join in your song of praise to celebrate the masses of the Lord, to proclaim the coming of the kingdom and the full liberation of humanity. Hail Mary, humble servant of the Lord, glorious mother of Christ, faithful virgin, holy dwelling of the word, teach us to persevere in listening to the word, to be docile to the voice of the Spirit, attentive to his appeals in the intimacy of our conscience and to his manifestations in the events of history. Hail Mary, woman of sorrow, mother of the living, virgin spouse beneath the cross, the new Eve, be our guide along the paths of the world. Teach us to live and spread the love of Christ to stand with you beneath the innumerable crosses on which your Son is still crucified. Hail Mary, woman of faith, first of the disciples, virgin mother of the church, help us always to give an account for the hope which is in us, trusting in the goodness of man and the love of the Father. Teach us to build the world from within, in the depths of silence and prayer, in the joy of fraternal love, in the irreplaceable fruitfulness of the cross. Hail Mary, Mother of Believers, Our Lady of Lourdes, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.